Welcome to Four Points Online. We are so honored that you're with us here today. And if God has used this ministry to change your life, we want to hear about it. So go to fourpoints.org slash mystory and tell us. You know what, it's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. If you want to give and be a part of what God's doing here at Four Points, go to our website and choose the safe and secure option. Or you can download our app and give there as well. And now we are so excited about hearing a powerful word from God today. So <clears throat> we're doing a little series and it's called We Are Four Points. And you're going to get to find out who we are and what we're about. But the thing I'm really excited about was last week, if you heard the message, it was a setup for this week. And I just believe God's going to shift some people in the room. And so... Four points exist to reach the least lost and lonely with the gospel. That's our, that's our vision every day that we wake up. We're not sitting here deciding what we're supposed to do. This is what we're supposed to do. By the way, can I just say this? I believe that's the mandate for every Christian. I don't believe it's the mandate for four points. So we didn't come up with a cool idea. We read Matthew 25, and we said, hey, it'd be cool to do what Jesus said. So that's where our vision came from, and that's what we're all about. I'm not going to go through the name of four points, all of that stuff. We can do that another time. But this is why we are four points is our slogan theme. Is we, this is the vision, and this is what we want to do every day. The long-term mission and what we believe God has called us to accomplish is to change the culture that currently exists, which everybody can recognize no matter what color you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter where you come from. Everybody can, I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, this does not matter. Everybody can look out at the world right now and say, we need to see some change. Are y'all with me? Yeah. <clears throat> well, here's what I've decided is in my own heart, after doing a bunch of praying, is that we can talk about changing stuff. We can get mad at politicians for not changing stuff and being corrupt, we can get frustrated with the world, or we can decide to do exactly what Jesus called us to do and what Jesus came to do, and that was to establish the kingdom culture, heaven's culture on earth, and that's what we're going to do. Now, if you leave here today and you say that cat is crazy, then join the party because there's several other people that will say that. But here's what I'm telling you. I'm okay with that because I'd rather be Jesus crazy than everybody else calm. And this is what I felt like I was supposed to say right here, y'all. For so long, we've been apologetic about what we're called to do. And I'm tired of being apologetic. I am unapologetic to tell you that this is what we're going to do. Now, am I going to be alive when we see this full culture change? I don't know. But I'm willing to say that your children and my children and our children's children can benefit from a culture change that even if we don't experience it. Is anybody alive in this place with me today? Come on. <clears throat> so the question should be, if you don't have this question, then I'm just thankful that y'all trust me and I don't trust me as much as you do. But the question should be, how are we going to do this? Right? Because it sounds really cool to put on a screen. Praise the Lord, Pastor. We're going to change a whole culture. You crazy, right? Because you ain't changing nothing. You need to change your clothes. I don't like what you're wearing. I don't like what you're wearing. Don't be mean to me. <laughs> but how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? So today, <clears throat> I want to talk about three gifts that come from the Lord. Three gifts in the Bible. The first two I'm not going to hit on as long. But the first one is, is really good. And I believe some of you in here need this first one. Gift number one that comes from God that's in the Bible is the gift of eternal life. Because Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But everybody say this word. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so <clears throat> you can't get the other two gifts if you haven't had the first gift. And that's a lot of people. Listen, 
We are trying to reach the least lost and lonely with the first gift, everybody. We're not trying to reach the, the least lost and lonely with the next two. You can't have all of God if you haven't trusted him as Savior. The declaration of we trust you starts when I say, Jesus, I'm not the boss. You're the boss. I trust you as my Savior, as my Lord, as the lover of my soul. You died and rose again. I'm giving you my heart and life because it's not about me. It's about you. If you haven't received the first gift, this is going to be a frustrating message for you. But I got good news for you. You're going to be able to get saved today. Come on, somebody. <clears throat> gift number two. We talked about this gift last week. Dr. Luke writes to us, by the way, if you didn't know, Luke that wrote Luke also wrote Acts. And right after the opening in Acts, he then starts in verse 4 by saying, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait on the gift. Wait on the gift. It's not my words. I'm not making it up. It says, wait on the gift that my father promised you. Remember, in John 14, 15, and 16, the gift is discussed. Then in Acts chapter 1, he's like, the gift is on the way, but hold tight. Because John baptized you with water, but in a few days, you're going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And as a review, remember the word spirit does not mean ghost. It does not mean goblins. It does not mean scary. It means wind. It means wind or motion of air. <laughs> Breath, that is the Hebrew word, that is the Greek word. If you weren't here last week, this is a lot of information. We're going fast, whatever. Okay, so the gift of the Spirit, the gift of eternal life, and today, and a bunch of y'all immediately are going to think, dude has lost his cookies. Say charisma. <clears throat> Let me tell you what's interesting about this word, is immediately half of y'all just went, hmm. He's trying to make me a charismatic, right? Because, because it's been packaged poorly in some places. Just like the word spirit has been packaged poorly or ghost. And everybody's afraid of that ghost and we got ghostbusters afraid of that. And we don't need to be because it's the fresh wind of the Lord Jesus. It's not anything scary. It's a person. Charisma's the same way. Charisma. So let me define the term for you. Charisma's the same way. Charisma in English, read the top verse. Charisma in English, is the English definition is compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. I do not care if you ever have this. Y'all okay? But immediately when we hear charismatic, we think that. Immediately when we hear that that person has charisma, we think the English word, right? We think that is what everybody's talking about. But the charismatic movement, whether you believe in it or not, it doesn't matter. I'm not mad at you and I'm not a charismatic. Even though I'm holding a microphone, I'm not a charismatic. Leah makes me hold the microphone because I'm ADD, if anybody wants to know why. She said, you, you don't go on rabbit trails. It's bad if you have that. Even though that was a rabbit trail. Y'all just stay with me. It's all good. <clears throat> but the word was not supposed to be. Now, listen, this is so important. This is so important, so important. The word was not supposed to be about the personality type of the man. The word was supposed to be what God intended it to be in the original language, the Greek. But here's what men do. And ladies, I'm talking about mankind, not the male race. Here's what men and women do. Here's what we do. Is we take something that's God and his idea, and we twist it for our own benefit so that people can follow Mark. The goal of today is not that you'll think that I'm awesome. The goal of today is not that you'll follow me. The goal of today is that you'll open your eyes to what God has called you to do, which is charisma, which is not about how awesome you are. It's about how awesome he is. The word charisma means spiritual gift. It means favor. 
That word scares people just as bad, but I'm going to tell y'all right now, I want favor in my life because that comes from God. It's not what I've done. It means divine enablement, and I love that definition because divine enablement means God did it and enabled me to do what I couldn't do on my own. Whenever you see someone doing something and you grew up with that person, stay with me, and you say, Mark Pangle, it's what we say. Because some of y'all grew up with me. Y'all should say amen right now, even if you're in the lobby. <clears throat> and you're thinking to yourself, every time that I stand on this stage, it must be Jesus. <laughs> Pops, I see you back there. You can, you can say amen. I see my dad. I see other people. Y'all are allowed to say amen because I know me too. But when we see people that God's doing great things from and we wonder how it happens, it's this, not the top part. If it is the top part, the Bible says that eventually that will be known. That if it's, if, if it's for man, that house of cards is going to fall. It's a spiritual endowment. And I love that word because it's literally in the definition. And the endowment that we know as Americans and the rights that we always claim to have, I'd rather have this endowment than that endowment. Is anybody with me? So half of you are, praise the Lord. Hopefully more of you will be in a minute. But it's the gift of divine grace. And so listen, before I move on, I need you to know that if you take the M-A off the end, the word charis is where we get the word grace from. God's goodness, God's favor pouring down on us through the person of Jesus Christ is the word charis. And so all that this is is the gift of grace. God's giving us what he has offered us through Jesus. But listen, it's not just salvation. This is the everyday enabling you to do his mission. Or let me just summarize it like this. Change the world. Shift the culture. Do what God's called us to do. So how do we do it? We do it through God's charisma, not man's charisma. Now watch this. In Romans chapter 12, we know verses 1 and 2. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern in this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says, for by the grace, charis, given to me, I say to everyone among you, think, don't think of yourself. Himself is what this says, but I say yourself. Don't think of, of each individual. Don't think of Mark. Mark, don't think of you more highly than you ought. But with a sober judgment, with a clear head, I really felt strongly that I was supposed to hit on this for a second. This is really hard. Because when favor starts pouring down on you that you don't get to decide, it's really hard not to become prideful about what God is doing, which is hilarious because if we ever take a second, we can realize that it's 100% from God. But we've all been around the people, this is so important, y'all, we've all been around the people that we see God's power on, and then they're so prideful, it's disgusting to even be around them. They think of themselves so highly, they won't even talk to the peasants. Are y'all with me? They can't talk to them. They're too good for them. When that becomes the case for a man or a woman, because God is doing something in their life, then I'm telling you, the devil has a hold of their heart, and they're in big trouble. Because it's not about you if God chooses to use you in a great way. It's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And the minute that I forget that it's about him is the minute that I've walked out of his charisma and tried to walk in my own. And it's a big deal. But think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God assigned, not that Mark decided on himself. Now, this is huge because God pours down on Joseph and, and God pours down on Trey and God pours down on every single one of you. 
God pours down what he decides on Nikki. God pours down on every single one of you what he decides, not what Mark decides that you should be. If I've put a pressure on you because I'm your pastor or you've had a church hurt in the past because someone's put a pressure on you, that does not matter. I'm sorry that it happened, but that does not matter. What I think that you should be doing, it doesn't really matter. What matters is what has God assigned you to do. What measure of faith has he poured out on you so that you can do it? This is so important, y'all. Because we're one body, but we have many members. And, and this is capital C Church as well. If you're a guest with us and, and you have no plans on being at Four Points, this is for you just as much as it's for the Four Pointers. We are one body of Christ, but there's many members, there's many churches, and we should love our fellow churches. We're not in competition. The second that we're in competition, we've missed the point of what kingdom's all about. It's to build God's brand. It's not to build Four Points brand, everybody. We are Four Points is not to say we want all of y'all in, we don't want anybody out, this is weird. It's absolutely opposite of that. Because we're many members, and the members do not have the same functions. Now, this is big. So we, the members of the body, are as one body in Christ Jesus. We're in, in Christ. And individually, members one of another, together. So watch. Because we have charisma. We have these gifts. We have charisma that differ according to the grace, charis that God chose, that he's given to us. So let's use them. Let's use them. Let's each person use them. And then he goes through the list. If you have the gift of prophecy, then in portion of the measure that God poured out on you, use it. If you have the gift of service, serve other people with that measurement, with that pouring down of God's grace. I'm going to stop right here and just say this. If you're faithful with a little, Jesus said he'll pour down even more. If you get frustrated when you look at someone else's pouring down and you say, man, it's a shame that I don't have theirs because if I had theirs, I'd use theirs. Can I tell you with love in my heart from your pastor? I'm going to smile, but this is going to be a little sarcastic, so watch. No, you wouldn't. Because if you're not using this, I promise you wouldn't use this. You'd look at this and go, look what I did. You see that name on the back of the jersey that says me, like I'm awesome. And it's not that. And God loves you enough to not bless you because it'd really be cursing you. If you're not using the measure that he gave you this much, stop looking at your this much and be grateful for whatever the amount is and say, it's all yours. I'm ready to do this thing for the body and ultimately to point people to Jesus. The one who teaches in their teaching, keep doing it. The one who exhorts, I, I got to explain this one because I thought this was so cool. Here's a little nugget. If y'all don't like nuggets, then you can just not go to McDonald's. All right, but anyway, sorry, that was bad. Chick-fil-A, I know, I know. You're welcome. The word exhortation means to encourage, but the word in the Greek is the word parakletes, which is the same word that Jesus described the Holy Spirit in John 14, and the helper will come. So the person that has the gift of encouragement or helping is operating in the same gift or the function, the, the thing that the Holy Spirit comes to do for us. Now, this is so important. By the way, the Bible says that, ladies, I don't believe every one of you have the gift of exhortation, but I believe every one of you are gifted to do. So that doesn't mean it's your strongest, loudest thing, but the Bible says that you're the help mate. Are y'all with me? Same word. So, men, let me explain something to y'all right now. If y'all need help in this world, 
you need to look in two places, the Holy Spirit and your wife. It's too quiet. Some ladies should have said amen right there. Because we're stubborn, so we don't stop for directions. I'm preaching now. Come on. But then there's some men and women that have the gift of encouragement. How do I know if this is my gift? How do I know if these other things are my gift? When I feel this great charge of energy, when I do something, this is part of mine. When I get off the stage, I'm ready to punch a wall. I could headbutt something. I'm ready to go. I could keep doing this, but now when I crash, it's a crash, everybody. But, but I'm operating in my sweet spot here. I, I don't have to work hard to do this. This is what God has called me to do. That does not mean he hasn't called you to do it, but he's called you to do exactly what he's called you to do. And when we find our sweet spot, we find those things. The one who contributes, that means gives generously, Do it in generosity. Do it freely. Give more. The one who leads, do it with zeal because the leadership is a gift from God. The one who does acts of mercy. This is probably not me. (laughs) Jesus' name. The one who freely forgives and has that heart for people. Do it with cheerfulness. By the way, there are, that we know of, 27 gifts in the New Testament. This isn't all of them. 27 different things. 27. And the uniqueness about that is we all have a few. We have a couple that are really loud, that are really accented. Most of the time, the danger that we find ourselves in is we look at someone else and we say, man, Austin can take a toothbrush and a rubber band and he can make it fly. I'm not even sure how he does it, but he's a freak. I'm telling you, he's MacGyver and like some IT dude's love child. It's crazy. And so I look at what he can do with his stuff, and I go, ring, can you help me turn my computer on? It's not working. Some of y'all are lying because I don't hear y'all talking to me. And so I can get jealous of him. I can look and say, why does his brain work so good, and my brain works in cobwebs? (laughs) Right? Why are y'all good at what y'all are good at, and the things that I feel good at, They're pointless, right? Like, they don't even matter. Because I look at my own life, and I start evaluating myself versus everybody else, and I start getting mad at myself. Man, if I was just as good at them at what they did, and I'm telling you, please, 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 please hear this. This is so important, because that is exactly what the enemy wants for me. He wants me to break down you and be jealous of you or be frustrated with what he's put on me and not think about Jesus If he can get my eyes off of the Lord and he can get my eyes on your gift, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't celebrate your gift. I should absolutely celebrate what God's called you to do, what God's poured into you. I should celebrate that in the name of Jesus. But the minute that I look and say, he should be doing what I said. Like y'all know that feeling, right? We do this to each other because we're frustrated with ourselves. And so... There's some people in here that are really gifted at missions, big time. There's some people in here that are called to do those things, to called to love on people, called to go into hospital rooms and helps, and called to, to do these service things, and called to do whatever. And when you start going and doing because you're called to do it, and the other person is called in exhortation where they are, we start getting frustrated with each other and comparing, well, I did this and this and this and this, and you just sitting there. You're just loving on someone in their room, and I'm going out to the highways and hedges, and you need to be doing what I'm doing. And I can tell you that there's certain things that I do that it ain't Mars gift. 
Now, I do it because it's my J-O-B. But that doesn't mean I like E. Are y'all with me? But watch this. Some people like E, what I hate. That's because their charisma from the Holy Spirit is that. When the body is functioning correctly, none of us are gritting our teeth. We're flowing in what he's called us to do. And then we stop going, you should be doing this. God called, God called us, not you. And when we start making it all individually, when Paul said I'm all things to all people, he was talking about this, not this. The man Paul was not all about this. The charisma from God became those things. And when I try to be all of those for you, then I'm trying to gain your acclamation, I'm trying to gain your love, and I'm flowing in my own charisma, not his. And that's where the church finds a problem. Because whenever I'm doing all of those, I'm trying to gain a brand for myself. I put a pressure on all of you. I start cursing other pastors, other people, and I start telling them what they're not. How dare I even think that I know what God's called them to do? The only thing I can do is what Ephesians 4 says that I should do, and that is extract and equip the saints for works of service. That is my job. My job is not to be the best preacher. It does not matter if I'm really good at this or not. My job is to extract from you. And the goal of this house is that you will do exactly what God's called you to do. And together, we will see a shift in the foundation of the terrible culture that is currently existing with one that grows bigger and greater because it is from God. That happens when we do it together. Watch this. Moves of God in the history of the world, what we've watched, they take place when the whole body moves as one. And I, and I love studying church history. I'm kind of a nerd, so y'all just forgive me. But one of my favorite things to study is church history. And I can take you through seasons in America, but also around the world. Since Jesus left, went back to heaven, since the apostles were on the earth after Jesus, and then the church and the church and the church, there have been seasons of selfishness that are really long, and there have been short bursts, short bursts of these crazy moves of God. Crazy moves of God. One of them that I think of is in this country. There was a man that preached a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You can read it. You can read the actual message. You need to know that when he preached this message, he had Coke bottle glasses. He stared at his paper, and he looked straight down. And 10, listen to me, 1,000 people got saved. I need y'all to know that there weren't cars, that people were walking in Kentucky all over the place, walking for days to get to this place. Because the people were praying who had certain gifts and the people were serving and loving who had certain gifts and, and none of them were making a statue of Jonathan Edwards. They were lifting up the name of Jesus. And as one accord is what the Bible says, in one motion, as one body, denominations were falling at the wayside. It wasn't about, well, you're not this certain thing. It was about Jesus. And thousands of people when technology wasn't even around. What could we do with the technology that God has given us? If we moved as one. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. James 4 says he gives more grace. I, I believe that the amount of grace that God can pour out is unfathomable, everybody. I don't think that we can possibly understand what God can do. No eye has seen or ears heard or heart of a man has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. That was not my words. We can't even comprehend it because there's more grace than, than, than we can possibly imagine. 
But James tells us, it says God opposes the proud but gives charis to the humble. And this is where we find a problem is I find that pride is the hardest thing to diagnose in yourself, in myself, because I can see your pride, but I can't see my own because pride is replacing the Lord Jesus at the throne of my life. And the moment that I do this, I've decided that I can handle this thing on my own. And even doing, listen to me, good things. One of the most prideful seats that a man can sit in is this seat that I'm sitting in today, the pastorate. I promise I'm not talking about any individual. I don't have anybody in mind. I'm telling you, like, going to conferences and doing certain things. I get frustrated sometimes, y'all, because I walk into these rooms, and it's like a contest for who's the strongest, who's the biggest, who's the proudest, and I'm like, who freaking cares? Why aren't we on a team? Who are we competing with? Like, when did that become an option? When did, when did denominational hatred become an option? When did calling people out from a stage become an option? I hate it. Because God opposes the proud. Listen to me. The Bible says that I have enmity or I'm the enemy of God in my own flesh. This is what this is saying. Satan fell from heaven because of pride. This is his toy to play with that he can put on you. And he does not care how much you accomplish as long as you do it in pride. As a matter of fact, he doesn't care how big this church gets. If this church grows to 10,000 people, he's cool with it as long as we do it in our own charisma and not his. But as soon as we walk away from our own self, our own selves, our own pride, and we say, I'm going to bow humbly before my king and say, this is not about me. This is all about him. I'm not doing it to just go through emotion. I'm doing it because I mean it with all my heart. He pours out more than we can imagine. And then this is all one thought, y'all, because sometimes we break up the Bible like we want it to say, but it says then right after that in one thought. So submit yourself to God. And then resist the devil and he will flee from you. In that light, knowing that God opposes the proud, see the need to to bow before the king to claim the name of Jesus over your life, over your family's life, over everything else, and then resist the devil. Don't just go out and say, the devil ain't coming to my house today. Jesus' name, I got this. You ain't got this. He's got it. He's got it. And then he'll flee from you. And then I love this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Me, sinner. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. And this is the picture. This is the picture. James 1 gives us the perfect description of the double-minded man who is unstable in all his ways. And the reason for this is because of pride. On one hand, we're trying to prove to all of you what we are called to do. So we need you to think of us like we think of us because we know that God's called us. And on the other hand, so we look all spiritual and we get frustrated with you and then we live like hellions on the other side. And we wonder why is there no balance in our life? Because it was never about my behavior. It was always about my Savior. It was always about how much I trust him and and have I humbled myself before him? Have I given him my all? Or am I trying to do this to prove to you that I'm really called to do this? Because y'all, I have done that as the pastor of this church. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. You just need to be offended today. But I've done it many times as the pastor of this church. I've woken up and say, I must be screwing up. There's not enough people here today. I must be failing because this is happening. It's got nothing to do with that, everybody. It's got everything to do with, am I walking humbly before the Lord saying, I want all of you to do your grace gift, to do exactly what God's called you to do, to sign up today to serve because God's called you to do that. 
There's not one person in this room that shouldn't be activated at your church or at this church to serve the Lord Jesus because you have a great gift. But all of us look and say they'll do it. Like, did you know the word clergy is a made-up term? He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers is what Ephesians 4 said, but it does not say clergy who sits and reads to you like a storybook rhymer and the lay people lay around and listen. That's a made-up thing from a modern church. That is not God's plan. God's plan is, let's go. Let's do this thing. Woo! We're going to get it. It ain't what Mark does. It's what we do as the body together. But we get frustrated and prideful, so we walk out and say, he ought to be doing more. They ought to be doing Them leaders, if them leaders were doing it. I'm a little bit passionate about this today. I don't know if y'all can tell. I'm not double-minded on this one. Come on, somebody. So the question is, are you qualified? This is where it gets good. The question is, are you, sir, and are you, ma'am, are you, are you part of who I'm talking about? Are you the qualified? In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are preaching to the Sanhedrin, that's the religious leaders, and they're just old school. If y'all didn't grow up in church, y'all not going to know what I'm about to say. They were shucking the corn, everybody, and they were bringing it. Young people, don't worry about it. Just Google it. They were bringing the heat. And listen, the Sanhedrin were very high religious leaders who were much more educated. And sometimes when I preach, I feel this way. I'm, I'm looking at some of y'all, and y'all are much more educated than me. You're much smarter than me. And so in my own flesh, I can start thinking, I bet they think I'm an idiot. I bet they don't think I know what I'm talking about. And then I start beating myself up because I'm, I'm starting to think in my own flesh. Can I show y'all what... Peter and John weren't doing Ooh, this is good here's what Peter and John weren't doing everybody it says in verse 13 when when the people when the Sanhedrin saw the boldness of Peter and John the fishermen that's what these two guys were y'all fishermen were not good <laughs> like when we think of fishermen today we can think that's awesome that's really cool that's a great thing that's that, those guys that do it professionally it's really great back in the day this was like the bottom of the barrel Nobody wanted to be there. It was the shepherds, the fishermen, and then whatever else. It was like, just do your job and don't talk to us. We're, we're the important ones. And this was what society's always tried to do. We're the important ones. We, we're in the socioeconomic class where we cannot talk to you. So, And they have, you know, the different accent, and they sound British and all of that stuff because that's just what my brain thinks. And it says Peter and John were bringing the heat, and people were trusting Jesus, and all this stuff was happening. They perceived that they were uneducated and common men. It's big. Those, those two words. The English translators are really nice. That's all I can tell y'all because I'm about to show you why. Uneducated common men. And they were astonished and they recognized that <clears throat> I practiced with Leah last night in bed this message and I, I got emotional. <clears throat> I read this in bed last night because I said to Leah, how many times have I stood up on a stage, whether it's here or somewhere else that I've had the opportunity to preach, and my goal wasn't that they recognized that I had been with Jesus. My goal was that maybe they'll tweet something about me. I don't care what you tweet. 
I don't care what you think. I don't care where you go. As long as you can recognize that the people in this room have been with Jesus. many of those who heard believed. Someone say believed. We feel the necessity to talk somebody into believing. Can I tell you that when the Lord is moving, you don't have to talk them into it. You can just put their name before the Lord Jesus because he's the one that has the power to change. I can't change anybody and I don't feel the need to. But I'm not apologetic for what God's called me to do. I'm not going to flow in my own charisma. I'm going to flow in his charisma. And it says 5,000 came to the number. And I'm telling y'all, that sounds cool and we read over it. But y'all, it started with 140. Like the day that the Holy Spirit shifted everything in Acts 2. And this was right after this. This is not like months and months and months and months. This is right after this. This is impossible. This is ridiculous. This is moves that we, that we can't even comprehend. And Peter and John were ordinary commoners, but they recognized they had been with Jesus. Watch this. The word ordinary or common men is the Greek word idiotes. And it's exactly what you think it is. Our nice English translator said, we'll call them commoners, ordinary. But the English word for idiot, you look it up today in your dictionary. And I mean the internet. Look it up today. It comes from the Greek word idiotes, idiot. And it means a stupid person or a fool. So watch this. If you fall into the category of idiotes or anything in between, I don't care if you're a genius, you still, that's cool, you're in that category because that's the bottom. Are y'all with me? Is anybody else with me other than Kelly? Are y'all with me? That's the bottom of the barrel that Jesus chose. How many times have y'all said what I've said? If we could just get them saved, think about what could happen. Here's what Jesus said. Just bring the idiots. Huh? Y'all must not think about yourself like I think about me. Just bring the idiots. I'll change the world. If I just got some idiots. Look, don't be offended. This is what Jesus said. I'm, I'm not, I ain't mad at you. And I'm not even trying to be funny. Because my whole life, I'm, Y'all, when I was, <clears throat> Lord help me, I hate being emotional in front of people. When I was, when I was in high school, going into the 11th grade, I had to sign up for all tech classes because I had a 1.7 GPA. Some of it was not extreme hard work, but some of it was I just couldn't get it, y'all. English was the hardest thing in the whole world for me. I, Today, it's very difficult for me. Math came very easily, so I chose a job that I never use math and I always use English. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Which tells you that for all those that think, I mean, I know some of y'all read the daily devotions that we give out, and thank you for helping make them be in complete sentences, but I know some of y'all have read them and like, that is worded terribly. You're welcome, okay? <laughs> I just am happy that I can write words down. Because this is what I'm telling y'all. Your pastor's not the most gifted man in the whole world, and I'm not being humble. I'm telling you the truth. 
I never stand on a stage and think, man, these people are blessed to have me in front of them. <laughs> I think probably some people do, but this guy doesn't. <laughs> I just think, thank God he loves the idiots. And I'm not calling myself names, y'all. I don't believe I'm a fool. I believe I have charisma on my life from the Lord Jesus, and I'm thankful for that. And I believe I have Holy Spirit enablement to do what I couldn't do on my own. My hope for you, listen to me, is that you'll start walking in that and you won't think, I wish I could be that. God does not need another mark. God wants you to be exactly what he's called you to be, but that only happens through his power and his strength and his purpose. And he will make you be able to do things that you couldn't imagine, but it's not about a magic trick. It's not about flipping a switch that I can do these neat things and have... It's about him. It's always been about him. But here's why it doesn't take place. It's the pride in us. And then I just think that this is like a prophetic word over us and what we sang beforehand. Psalm 78 is an entire psalm about David crying out before God saying, don't punish the nation of Israel. Don't punish the nation of Israel. Don't hate on the nation of Israel. Don't Please let go of it. And, and he names these sins, but I'm telling you, this is like the culmination of the sin. God was, it says in the verse before that he was pouring down his wrath because they did not believe or trust him to take care for them. They tried to manipulate their way to do whatever they needed to do. It has never been your job to manipulate your way to do anything in your life. It's God's plan. He has a purpose and a plan for each one of you. It's unbelievable what God has planned for you. But we'll never see it come to fruition if we try to make it happen. God's going to do it in you, everybody. He's going to do it. And that's the greatest sin of the church today as well. The greatest sin of the church today as well is comparison, thieving, and not trusting God alone. Not trusting God alone. Because God's looking for a group of idiotes that'll believe him and trust him. Because we can't even imagine what he can do. So listen, this is the, this is the close. Are you one of his? I'm not asking are you the best of the best. Listen to me. Some of y'all are. Some of you are supremely talented. A man named Saul came around who was supremely talented, and God used him as well. And God used his gifts to then further and enable him to do more. I'm not saying that being very smart is bad. It's really good. I envy you in that way. But I'm not sad that God called me to be me. I'm thankful exactly where I am. Listen to me. He's called you exactly where you are. Stop hating yourself. Stop beating yourself up and look to Jesus. He'll shift everything. For some of you, that means you need to receive gift number one for the very first time, salvation. By saying, I trust Jesus. For some of you, you need to meet the Holy Spirit for the very first time and say, I open my heart up and I want all of you to pour down on me. And for some of you, you'll begin to walk in gift number three, the charisma that he has, not your own. Will you bow your head and close your eyes with me? With nobody looking around, Pastor Mark, I feel like you're talking straight to me. I want the gift of salvation to come to my house. If I died today, I would be separated for God, from God for eternity. My destination would not be heaven. It would be hell because I've never received his gift of eternal life in heaven. And I want to do that today. If that's you, will you just slip your hand up? I believe there's people in this room that need to be saved. Come on, you can't have all of God until you trust Jesus as Savior. I wonder if that's you today. Thank you, sir. Who else? Who else? Slip your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. Who else is it? That's me. I want, I want Jesus in the gift of salvation. I want to trust him. This is what 
I'm asking everybody else as we sing. And I just want y'all to look this way. I want y'all to look this way for this part. In just a second, I'm going to dismiss the the few people that are getting baptized. And as soon as we start singing, I want y'all to slip out and you're going to change. But this is what I want for y'all. Listen, there should not be one person. I don't care what church you go to. It's not about Four Points Church. It's about the Capital C Church. It's about a movement. I want to be exactly what God has called me to be. And I want to see him do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can even ask or think. If that's you today, I just want, I want you to stand up. If that's not you, go ahead and sit down. I'm not mad at you. But if you want to see God do exceedingly and abundantly more, Lord, you see every single one of us who have stood. And God, I pray that you begin to pour down your grace and you help us walk as one body because it's not about a pastor or a people. It's about everybody. God, what makes four points different is that we believe it's about us doing your will, not about a man who has a good message. You brought the good message. Now we do your work. And that's our belief and that's our trust. We love you. Now activate us in your presence. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.